Welcome to our podcast. I'm joined by Kevin Yaney, the author of the 4th of July trilogy, which are historical fiction novels set at the time of the Civil War. So when we talked about the American Wars, every other conflict pales in comparison to the number of casualties in the Civil War. Why did so many soldiers die in the Civil War? Yeah, and that's that's a really good question. Um, first of all, let me just kind of give you numbers. Um, and there, there's there's disputes about these numbers, but okay. the more conservative numbers are that 620,000 um, men were killed in the Civil War. Um, some numbers bump that up over 800,000. Um, so in four years of fighting, there were just these massive, uh, casualties. Um, you get into battles, um, like Gettysburg, Gettysburg lasted three days. There were more people killed in Gettysburg than all the American wars prior to, uh, their, their, um, that fight. Wow. Um, you know, you get into, uh, others, there were more people killed in the Civil War than the American Revolution, the War of 1812, the Mexican War, the Spanish-American War, World War One, World War Two, and the Korean War. Good grief. You, can, you, you combine all the deaths, all the American mm-hmm. deaths in those, they do not surpass the Civil War. So why those four years, were? why were they so bloody? Yeah. Part of it was um, the way that war was being fought had changed. Okay. So um, the way that West Point uh, soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, where really most of our our uh, leaders during the Civil War were trained at West Point. Yes. They were regular army when this mm-hmm. fight broke out. Mm-hmm. So you have people like, oh, Ulysses Grant, mm-hmm. you know, went to West Point and so did uh, – uh, so did Robert E. Lee, yep. uh, George McClellan on the Union side, uh, uh, James Longstreet or uh, Stonewall Jackson, mm-hmm. Jeb Stewart. You know, all of these guys, they all were classmates. Yeah. They all, it's kind of like if you went to college with somebody <laughs> and you were all in the same fraternity. Yeah. They were all West Pointers. Wow. The way that West Point taught at that point was based on the French and Napoleon okay, and how they fought. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let me just kind of describe that for you. So you would fight shoulder to shoulder, what they would call enfilade. And this, this group of people would stand shoulder to shoulder and they would have their weapons. Their weapons would be muskets. Yep. A musket uh, fires one round, mm-hmm. and in the um, uh, days of Napoleon, they shot what would be called, considered a ball, a musket ball. Mm-hmm. It's about the size of a marble. Okay. Okay. You would um, um, load your your musket and fire it, and if you were really good at it, you could load and fire that machine um, about every 20 seconds. Okay. You'd have to be very good to yeah. do that. Yes. So um, the accuracy of those early weapons 
was that you could hit what you were shooting at with accuracy at about 70 yards. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a football field for a second. Mm -hmm. That means if you have one army on uh, in the end zone and the other army in zone, uh, you could not accurately yeah, hit. You're them. not hitting anyone. No, yeah. until one of them got to the 30 yard line. Okay. Then you could start hitting them. Mm-hmm. Well, the way that Napoleon and his armies would fight was they uh, fought mainly hand to hand combat. Mm. You would shoot a cannon, for instance, out, and you try to soften up the other side a little bit mm-hmm. by knocking out some of their guys. Mm-hmm. You might shoot at that 70 yards yeah. and try to hit somebody. But if you shot once and you're side by side and you just took a volley of shots, yeah. it's another 20 seconds before, before you can yeah, protect yourself. Before you're loaded yeah. again, you can fire again. Yeah. Guys running at full speed <laughs> with a bayonet and a sword. Yeah. Are going to overcome you in about 10 seconds. Yeah. So you got one shot hmm. and then you're going to have to load. Yeah. So the way that war was fought was exactly that. You took the first shots, whoever fell, fell. The rest of the guys charged with bayonets and swords and you overcame your opponent. Hand to hand. Yeah. And hand to hand combat. The problem was this. With that thinking, mm-hmm. um, weaponry had mm-hmm. changed. So one of the things that came about was what was called the mini ball. Okay. Now, the mini ball sounds like it's round, but it yeah. really isn't. It's bullet shaped. Oh. And um, it is put into what is called a rifled barrel. Okay. So if you think about a, a ball just being a marble, for instance, just being blown out, it 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 will rattle around inside the barrel of a gun. Right. It's not held tightly. Yes. Uh, a rifled barrel makes that mini ball spin. It makes yeah. the bullet spin. So you're still loading them every 20 seconds, but all of a sudden, because it's got spin on it, mm-hmm. you can hit something that's four football fields away with accuracy. A new type of basically a bullet yeah. uh, that is is going to just uh, cut through a person. It's going to tear them to pieces. Um, so you have, uh, in, in the in the Civil War... You have people who are trying to use these outdated methods of fighting, mm-hmm. and very few times do somebody ever get close enough to use a bayonet or a sword Wow! Um, because they're just torn up. Yeah. They're just torn up. The other thing that's changed is the weaponry of cannons. Okay. So one of the things that would happen, you know, you think about firing a cannonball, mm-hmm. and a cannonball with force will will uh, bounce and you know knock things down and mm-hmm. and tear things up, send shrapnel flying into yes. people and and injure them that way. Uh, the weaponry changed, and so what they would do is uh, put a charge into something that was called grape shot. Mm. And grape shot again is mm-hmm. it was named because it was about the size of a grape, mm-hmm. but it would go up in in um, a, a, a canister that would be fired above uh, uh, some troops, and then that tran- canister would actually explode with a charge, and that grape shot would be it's shot 
all over. Everywhere. Yeah. And it would be shot above them. So you have the force of it Running, raining down. down raining them. down. So yeah. if you've ever talked, heard of anybody talk about raining down fire, mm-hmm. that's what they're, they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So these could be, you know, you could be hiding behind a group of trees or whatever, and they'd shoot grape shot over top yeah. of you, and it'd just tear you to pieces. Yeah. Um, so these, it was it was a horrible, horrible, horrible war. Wow. Yeah. So there was just there was just a lot of casualties because of the way they did war. Yeah. Warfare changed a lot during the Civil War. The other thing that happened um, was the training of these generals, in particular. West Point would say, "Okay, you're gonna you're gonna build up to this big battle, and you're gonna fight this big battle, mm-hmm. and then you're going to go back to your side and recuperate." Right. And um, so the early generals frustrated on the Union side frustrated Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. because, uh, for instance, after three days of fighting at Gettysburg Mm -hmm. and right smack dab in the middle of the war. This happened July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in 1863. The war is going to last for two more years. It's been going for two years. So you're right smack dab Mm -hmm. in the middle of this. Mm -hmm. Um, George Meade is leading the the, uh, Union side, Mm -hmm. the Army of the Potomac. He has just defeated Robert E. Lee at Gettysburg. Mm Mm-hmm. Lee has lost one-third of his troops. Wow. He is trying to get out of Pennsylvania, back into Virginia. He's got to cross through Maryland and then get to Virginia, Mm -hmm. back to safe territory to recuperate these troops that he's lost. Mm -hmm. Meade decides that he's not going to pursue Lee. Mm. Had he done that... Many people believe the war would have ended, ended two early. years earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But George Meade well, doesn't engage him until October. Oh, wow. From July to October, he does not engage well, him. Well, and it's not like here in Indiana where it's kind of flat and easy terrain. Like, right. we're talking like they were going to, it was going to take them a long time just to get anywhere. Right. Right. And we think of, uh, you know, crossing rivers, crossing mountains, that sort of thing. Yes, it was going to take them a while to get back. And he had the opportunity to crush him. Yeah. The same thing had happened um, in uh, almost a year before when uh, Lee invaded Maryland Mm -hmm. and the Battle of Antietam Mm -hmm. happened. And Mm -hmm. George McClellan at that time was in charge of the Union cause with the the Army of the Potomac. Mm -hmm. And. Antietam was the the bloodiest one single day of fighting in the history of American warfare. Wow. And uh, people just torn to pieces. Uh, it's described in the books of the cornfield. Yeah. And um, it's it just, it was horrible. Uh, people just blown to pieces mm. uh, in the middle of a cornfield. And um, so anyway, McClellan, again, Lee is badly, his troops are Badly injured, badly damaged. He's limping back to the south. Yeah. And McClellan decides he's not going to pursue him. And so, again. I wonder why. Like, um, what what goes through your head? Are you just, I don't know. I think that because they had they had their own list of casualties. Sure. You know, but they just did not, they did not think that way. Yeah. A lot of it was to, uh, Lincoln was not a military man. Okay. They were. Okay. And they thought. They were superior to him. Sure. Even though he was their 
commander-in-chief. They thought they knew better than him. Mm -hmm. And they thought they knew how to conduct the war better than him. Well, they were getting out maneuvered by a smaller army led by Lee. Mm -hmm. And the reason Lee was being successful was, number one, he knew these people because they were his classmates. Right. Yeah. Okay. West Point. West Point. And he understood that he had to use some unconventional tactics. Yeah. So there were times when he was outnumbered like two to one. Yeah. And he still defeated the Union side. Yeah. uh, Just because he used tactics that weren't... Weren't taught or weren't... Right. Right. Yeah. Right. He was thinking outside the box. Absolutely. Yeah. And he had to. Yeah. Things were changing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So... Well, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. If you want more information on Kevin Yaney and the 4th of July trilogy of books, go to www.4thofjulybook.com. For Kevin Yaney, I'm Selena Helvey. 